in the end, we all shall fall. Welcome to Tabletop Shop. Welcome back to the Tabletop Shop Podcast. Today, we are going to be looking at... It, it's a game that's been looming in the corner, just itching to be talked about, and we just haven't gotten to it yet. Looming in is, the corner? Cody, God, this how is does that work? my intro. What are you <laughs> so, doing? Well, when you throw in around words like looming in the corner... Sorry, I feel sorry. Like, I guess I should say it's glooming in the corner. Is no, it should be skulking in the corner. Skulking. If you're, right, if you're looming, oh. I feel like you're not in a corner. You're kind of like... Is, you're Cody, you're is, standing this, over someone. The level of unprofessionalism <laughs> is just, it's way past the threshold for our podcast. And that's saying something. All right. I'm sorry, dude. I? You, you, want to, you want to take it? You want to take it from here? Talk about your corner looming friend. Where was I? I don't even know where. I, okay. And then a board banter, the but it's not a board banter. It's a board ranter. And that's yeah. all I'm going to say about that. I am one of your co-hosts, Nate Clark. And as always, seated across the country from me is your other co-host, Mr. Cody Pennington. Looming in the corner is Cody Pennington. How you doing? <laughs> Looming on the other side of the country. <laughs> is it raining over there in Oregon? No, it's not. I'm kind of disappointed. Is it raining over there? It's so nice, man. It's so sunny. I'm sad that I'm recording. I want to be outside. Well, I want it to rain, so I'm sad that it's sunny. Do you want an intro question? Well, first I wanted to explain my intro. You seem okay, a yeah, little confused about In the End We All Shall Fall. I, oh, we're going to be... What? 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 I was just I think everybody's confused. And there's nobody... If I didn't get it, nobody else got it. Well, we're going to be talking about Gloomhaven here as our game of the week, right? It was number one on BGG for quite a while Ooh, until okay. Brass Birmingham Big Brass. besmirched it, dethroned it. Besmirched. <laughs> one of those fancy old words. It was regicide is what it was. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> King of the Hill. So anyway, you know, all right. in the that end, we sense. all shall fall. That makes sense. Yeah, throw me an intro question. Okay, man. Um, what was your most influential and your most detrimental game from your childhood so which one like influenced you the best as far as your gaming career in the future and which one maybe affected it in a negative way if there hmm. is one that falls into that category okay so kind of where do we question. define childhood like is Catan? is that too late in the game to be a player i don't know when you play Catan, cody but childhood i would say ends at like 12 or 13 let's say that. okay so anything up to that age I probably uh, had almost played Catan at that point. So I'll, I'll throw Catan out. So you want to know what game was the most positively influential? Yeah. If you want, I can go first because I also thought it might be a good one for me to answer. So I yeah, I, I want to hear okay. kind of what you're working with here. So for me, the most influential was probably Carcassonne because I think that was kind of the first kind of modern strategy board game that was played in our house. It was pre-Catan, I think, for us, and pre-Dominion. And it was, I think, the first time where it was, like, such a different game as opposed to the things I grew up with, you know, like careers and battleship and risk, stuff like that, you know. It's such a very different, you know, just vibe from that, and it was just so much fun. And so I think that was probably the most positively influential one. Hmm. Detrimentally... It was almost actually not even a game. I would actually say my sister. Um, one of my... <laughs> okay. <laughs> one of my sisters... And, and, and to, to actually have a game, I'll say Risk. 
because Risk is a game one of my sisters and I played a lot. And she would constantly make up rules so that she could win. And she did this the most with Risk. And so I blame that on my somewhat lacking in the ability to always get rules correctly. Hmm. Not because I'm doing it from a self or from a like from a self-serving standpoint but i feel like i always get like a rule wrong when record when i'm uh you know learning how to play a game so i'm gonna yep. blame it on that it's the nate curse yeah the clark curse that's better so that that's what i would say for me okay those are some some good options i'm gonna throw you a curveball for my positively impactful game and i'm actually just going to say RTS video games, specifically, Ooh. let's say Age of Empires and Stronghold Crusader. Okay, I like that. I respect yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that is because they taught me, in retrospect, engine building. Literally, engine building. You gotta, you gotta min-max some stuff. You gotta mm-hmm. upgrade your things. You're collecting resources. You're assigning them. It also, indirectly for, I think, game design taught me a little bit about balance, because stronger units are gonna cost more resources to build. So it kind of teaches you to, to, you know, if you're doing something asymmetrical or you have introducing different units or different types of things, you have to learn how to assign a proper cost in proportion with how strong they are. So yeah, RTS games. How do you like that? That's a very good answer, Cody. I'm impressed. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, dude. As far as detrimental, I mean, I don't have a super great answer because a lot of the games I played in childhood... Like, they weren't modern hobby games, so sort of all of them were detrimental. But let's just throw Monopoly in there, where you're just rolling dice and you're moving. You're not doing much. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. I mean, I feel like something like shoots and ladders might qualify more than Monopoly. At least you get to make some decisions in Monopoly, right? But it's still, like, an understandable choice, for sure. Let's Actually, let's go with shoots and ladders, because it's stupid. Just luck. Like, it's okay. Like, something like... um, like for like just for counting, I guess that's fine. So like up to the age of whatever, when you learn to count, whatever that is, I don't remember. Or like Candyland, there's some color matching and some counting. Okay, hmm. but once you know how to color match and count, you should not be playing that game anymore. Yeah, it's get no a new longer game. beneficial. So, well, I feel like we should jump into what we've been playing this week. If Absolutely. you have any new plays, I have a couple. I have a couple. Oh, okay. Um, I'm impressed. Well, one of them's digital. Because you introduced me to Board Game Arena, which I knew oh. existed, but I didn't really realize that there were actually some decent options on it. <laughs> so um, I had a chance to play Planet Unknown. Have hmm. you ever played that or heard no, of it? No, I've heard of it. Um, I'll just wear my... like We're, we're going to try and breeze through these, but I didn't love it too much. Um, it's a polyomino game where you're, all, the, all the polyominoes have two colors on them. And you're placing them on your board, and then you move up on the two associated tracks. Everyone has their own personal tracks for every color. Hmm. And so that part, I like. You have like five, I think it's five different colors. So you have five different tracks that all kind of have a different small focus. So you have like the water track that basically just has higher scoring. But then you have a technology track where every once in a while you can choose the technology from the ones available. Uh, but then you have a kind of preset predetermined ability track where once you reach a certain level you unlock certain abilities that are on your player mat um you have another one that every once in a while gives you a one by one that you can just fill in somewhere on your mat so i really like that i love the moving up on tracks the actual placement of stuff was kind of boring i thought there's not a lot of it's kind of just place stuff where it fits um the only interesting thing is that you also have a rover or two rovers 
Hmm. Um, that are kind of driving around on the planet, picking up life pods and destroying asteroids and stuff like that, or collecting asteroids, I guess. That part's kind of fun because you can't place buildings on top of your rovers, but rovers don't move very fast. And so that is the only really interesting part of the tile placement. And the rest felt super straightforward and kind of boring. So I didn't, I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I wouldn't say I'm interested in playing it again. Yeah. So that's plan unknown. Because you're, you're not a super big fan of polyamino games, right? I think I'm more of a fan than I might have been a year or so ago, okay. but I still don't love them. It's, yeah. it's funny because you're in the process of designing a polyamino game. <laughs> <laughs> I am. And what's even funnier, my next one is also kind of polyamino. So okay. we played Cartographer's The Hornhelm expansion, which I have to say, so I've also played the Frozen Expanse expansion. Hornhelm, so much better, man. The map is a little bit more restrictive, but there's nothing too special. But what's really cool is you have this market of items that you can purchase using coins. Um, you can purchase items that give you special abilities. And so every round in Cartographers, or the three of the four rounds in Cartographers, three of them, three of the, you have like a three by three grid of things you can purchase, and three of them will be available. One row or one column, basically. So you have an option to per spend coins to purchase these abilities that Basically, all of them ultimately let you move up on this point track. And so however far up, you could get anywhere from like only like five bonus points if you only move up a few times up to like it's exponential. So you could earn up to like 50 points or something potentially if you got all the way to the, the max. And so it's a really cool extra abilities, extra way to use coins. And you have these market thing that you can buy special items. And they're all thematic things, you know, like a sleeping bag or like a, an ink and a, a quill or whatever. And, um, you know, stuff like that. It's all thematic stuff. And it's basically hmm. just another thing to think about while you're placing things to also move up on this little point track. So very good expansion for cartographers. Okay. It actually sounds pretty dope. I just added it to my games to acquire. Yeah. It's um, like I said, I've only played that one in frozen expanse, but that one definitely the better expansion. Um, and then, yeah, last but not least, I just thought I'd throw in here, I did have a chance to finally test my prototype. It is a polyomino game, and it's kind of got a Hadara-style rotating drafting mechanism in it. Yeah. And then it has kind of multi-tiered polyomino placement, um, kind of like a 3D polyomino placement, basically, that I've been messing around with. And so we played a full game. Well, not quite a full game, because I thought I made enough polyominoes, and I didn't. I thought I did the math that would work out mm. for a two-player game, and I was short, like, 25 polyominoes. <laughs> so I got to say, if you're going to make a prototype, I do not recommend, like, doing it, <laughs> okay. doing a polyomino game because it, it is a headache. Yeah. yeah. But that's me. Hey, you know, maybe we should do a board banter sometime soon, sort of as a designer diary, since we're both working on games. It'd be kind of fun to actually just Ooh. talk about the process a little bit. That is a very good idea, Cody. We will mm -hmm. definitely put a pin in that, and we will definitely come back to it. All right, you got it. Before we get to that pin, would you like to know what I've been playing? Absolutely. All right, since you took so long explaining your games, we're now running over time. I'm just going to breeze through <laughs> mine quickly, because I actually have quite a few. Played Three Sisters. This is a roll and write Ooh. game. That's uh, it's. There's a lot going on in this game. There's a lot of things where you can roll your dice and you can do stuff with. There's like one section of the board that is numbered one through six. And so there's dice that you can draft anywhere from one through six that you can use to take an action on, on that spot. And those one through six areas, you are just growing like basic crops. But then all around the board, you can grow some other different crops that have different effects. There's a, this shed 
where you can like get farm equipment and whatnot oh, that nice. gives you bonu- bonuses. Yeah, based on other things you do. I love sheds too. <laughs> I guess the only other one I know is Heaven and Ale that has sheds. Hmm. Fun. Uh, so yeah, basically there, there's a whole bunch of things going on, and you really have to decide like, okay, which of these like seven or eight different aspects of the game do I want to focus on this game? So that was cool. Cool. Played War Chest with you on Board Game Arena. Uh-huh. Um, I feel like you did a terrible job at explaining how it worked <laughs> To be <at> fair, <laughs> I hadn't played the game in like a year and a half or something. Sure, That's excuses, man. Yeah. What, I haven't played it for 16 months. What do you expect from me? And that was actually pretty fun. I would play that again. I'm usually not a big fan of abstract games, but that, that was decent. The thing is, played- War Chest, I think I've said this before on the podcast, but it'll burn you out pretty quick. Like, I think oh, I played yeah. eight or ten games, and then I was totally done. Like, totally checked out. Like, all right, I'm done. I'm done with this game. <laughs> well, I feel like any game you play eight or ten times in a row, that, that nah, kind of... Nah, not in a row. I didn't say in a row. Oh, just in general? In general. Oh, okay. Well, that's still pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars Deck Builder. I got that uh-huh. in there. I was really disappointed by Star Wars Deck Builder. It seemed like it was hyped up pretty well. It seemed like it came out and like received a lot of good reviews lately it's it's uh rated and ranked pretty well in bgg it looks nice and then i played it and it's just a really boring very uneventful deck builder you know where you just kind of you, you just play the cards that come into your hand that's all you do you know what i think cody i think we still live in a world a board gaming world that's plagued by people that are biased by ip games yeah. despite the fact that you and i both have a very negative connotation with an IP being attached to a board game. I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that actually rate games higher and actually lie to themselves and think games are better than they <laughs> are because of the theme. And they actually think that. I think you're probably right because I don't know how else this would succeed. Like people are like, oh, it's Star Wars, man. Star Wars. So cool. Just like that. Absolutely. Yeah. And no, listen, no offense to anybody who likes Star Wars. I just think that there are probably a lot of people out there that let IP influence opinion too much. Yeah. IP can do well, as we did in a previous podcast. Dune Imperium, that's a, yeah. that's a great one. But yeah. Anyway, go listen to that podcast if you haven't. I'm talking to the audience, not you, Nate. I'm sure you've, ah, you've listened to it before. <laughs> Next, we got Spies, Lies, and Supplies. No, I'm sorry. Airland and Sea, Spies, Lies, and Supplies. This is a Get standalone or an or a expansion? Uh, it's kind of just a reskin, but apparently you can play with both of them put together in what's called the epic mode. I don't know, just makes it longer, <laughs> I guess. But uh, that wasn't bad. It's it's sort of a, a tug-of-war game. Uh, like reminded me, of, um, No, it reminded me more of Hanamakoji. The mechanics mm-hmm. are pretty different, but in the same way that there's a few cards in the middle. Uh, they're called theaters. There's like diplomacy, uh, espionage. I don't remember what the three were. And there's a, a very small deck of 18 cards. Uh, one through six of the three different cart or of the three different like theaters that you're working on and so each person is just putting down a card on each side and you're trying to get the highest strength value and whoever gets like two out of three wins the battle and then you get a certain amount of victory points for that but the nuances are all the cards aren't just one through six they have little abilities that trigger either when you play them or they're ongoing so even though a, like a one card is very weak in its strength, it can like let you flip over someone else's really high card. So it's just kind of this back and forth tug of war. And then what's interesting is the game doesn't end right after the first battle. One person, if they think they're losing, they can actually withdraw and give the battle to the other person early. And then the winner hmm. gets less points than they would have if you stayed through all Smart. the way to the end. Okay. Yeah. 
So pretty fun, plays pretty quick. And finally, just played the Cursed Horde expansion for Fantasy Realms, which adds just like a couple things. Uh, adds like a few a few new suits that like score based off of what's in the discard pile. And then it adds these cursed items that they give you negative points if you choose to use them, but they give you like a one-off cool ability. So it accentuates the game well? Doesn't it does. Doesn't too much? Yeah, because I, I played Fantasy Realms probably 10 times at this point like in close proximity so even though it's quick playing you kind of start getting tired of it uh but the cursed horde add uh, a refreshment to it awesome all right man we are screaming hot all right we are it's just it's too much i'm sorry that i played so many new games lately (laughs) dude yeah (laughs) i like my 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 time scale says like 18 minutes i don't know how much is getting cut but i guess we're at least about 15 so we better get on cody to the game of the week do it All right, game of the week. Um, so as you as you mentioned earlier, Cody, correct? This is Gloomhaven. Um, it's been a while. I mean, I guess we haven't talked about Gloomhaven because you hadn't played it until very recently, apparently. So well, technically, I I've played Jaws of the Lion for like over a year. Yeah, now. and I think they're very similar games. I mean, I haven't played Jaws of the Lion, and you've played both now, so I'm sure you can speak to that. But from mm-hmm. what I know, they're they're definitely very similar experiences. Very much so. I mean, Jaws the Lion is compatible with Gloomhaven, so you can take the okay. characters in Jaws the Lion and then play them in the main okay. campaign. Okay. Well, I'll go ahead and I'll breeze through a description real quick. Basically, this is kind of a, a Euro E, kind of a Euro E dungeon crawler in a way. Um, at least thematically, it's a dungeon crawler. Um, so there's a campaign, there's a ton of different scenarios. You have all these map tiles, you set up a map every round, and everyone has their own character and their own deck of cards multi-use cards and then every round everyone's we're all playing two cards at the same time and then we're using actions on those cards to manipulate your character on the board to attack enemies to complete objectives to pick up coins to do all sorts of fancy stuff and basically every scenario you are either you win if you complete the objective which a lot of times is just kill all the enemies but sometimes there's other objectives or you lose the scenario if everyone dies or becomes exhausted so that's basically the very, very short description of Gloomhaven. There's a lot of stuff. It's an, it's an enormous box. There's a lot of stuff packed into it. There's a lot of unlockable stuff and a lot of secret hidden mystery stuff that you have to, you know, achieve certain things to unlock and open. There's a ton of characters, but that's the base of it. That's the base of it. Yeah. Well said. Where do you want to go from here? Just jump right into positives, man. I mean, I got quite a bit to say, so... You know, I'll try being quick about it, but we can just bounce back and forth like normal and I can start us off. Basically, let's do it. The characters, man. Oh my mm. goodness. Now, I know you're only just barely starting to tap into Gloomhaven. Basically, you get six starting characters to choose from. Mm-hmm. And then there's at least 10, maybe 12 more. I'm not, I don't remember the exact number, maybe even more than 12. Secret characters. They all have their own mini that's in a little box. They all have their own deck of cards. They all have their own special abilities, rules, all this stuff. And it's all locked away in sealed boxes. And every once in a while, you can unlock a character and you can change characters every once in a while throughout the campaign. It's amazing, all these different characters, and they all play so uniquely. By the way, this is going to be a completely spoiler-free review. Mm. Because like I said, there's a lot of mystery stuff in the game. So we're not going to spoil anything. I'm not going to spoil anything. 
That's good. But all of the characters play very differently. And that's what's one of the most amazing things about this game is that you can occasionally change characters and just play the game in such a different way than you were with your previous character. Yeah, I'm super impressed by the asymmetry and the balancing and just the intricacy that went into Gloomhaven. Like, how much time did Isaac Childress spend on this? And did he have help? I mean, I'm sure he had a ton of help. He's the one credited as the designer, so like solely him. But I'm sure that there were other people helping with world building and with just all of the all of the different components that go into this game. Sure. Because it's and crazy. It, and obviously this got picked up by, was it? Looks like Cephalo Fair Games. Yeah. That's what BGG is saying. So I'm, I'm sure, like, I'm curious at what stage this game was when it was picked up by the publisher mm. and then how much work do they have their team put into yeah. it. But anyway. And then, and then, of course, you also have Frosthaven that's come out since then and Gloomhaven 2nd Edition. So that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not going to get the 2nd Edition. So I just, <laughs> again, finally got Gloomhaven. Actually, no, I got it a few months ago. We, we were just spending time finishing Jaws of the Lion. I got Gloomhaven for $84, homie. Mm, yeah. 84 And it was new. It was some special, like, lightning deal on one of the smaller board game websites. And I just had a, a price alert on Board Game Atlas. May it rest in peace. <laughs> and nabbed it. I'm going to call that my first like of the game is that I got it for $84. <laughs> <laughs> Officially, you're locking that in. That's your first yep, one. So it's my turn. Locking it in. How much did you get it for? Isn't it, it retails Ooh. for, like, 140 or something, right? Yeah, I think I got it for 120 Okay, but bad. there were it was me and two of my siblings that went all together on it. So you know that in a way lowered the price. That does help because this yeah. is completely a multiplayer game. So helps absolutely, um, no, people. no, it's not. I mean, if there's you can play solo, and I think sure. a lot of people actually do play Gloomhaven solo, but it's also a very good group game as well. Hashtag no friends, relatable. <laughs> <laughs> um, similar to my first point, I just want to say I really love all the unlockable stuff in this game so that's including the characters but there's other things too there's a bunch of like sealed envelopes that come with the game that you lock or that you unlock when you when certain circumstances have all of a sudden you'll like flip you'll read a card or something will happen in the game that'll tell you to open this envelope and you're like oh i don't i don't even know what to expect you know so it's yeah. really cool stuff there's ciphers like at one point you get like the secret message and you have you have no idea what to even do with it you know there's stuff there's all that kind of stuff and i just love it there's kind of like this big I don't know. There's kind of like this big, almost mystery on top of the whole thing. And it's just, I love all the unlockable stuff. It's like almost a legacy game. It's still playable after you've completed the whole thing, but there definitely mm. is like surprises that are spoiled, right? It's actually not really playable. Um, yeah. Like I thought the you game... could do like randomized campaigns or like randomized plays. But you can. You can do that. But the campaign can only be played through once, really. Like Okay, gotcha. You're supposed to put stickers on this huge map board and those are mm -hmm. permanent and you're supposed to like rip up and throw away cards or whatever, you know. So it's possible if you buy reusable stickers and if you don't rip up cards to basically resort and resell the game if you wanted to or replay the campaign. It's a lot of trouble. But then you're right. There are like randomized scenarios you could keep doing infinitely. Yeah. I can't rip up cards, dude. Like, it depends. Ah, if, the game, <laughs> if the game is a dedicated legacy game, like uh, uh, Risk Legacy, I was fine with tearing some stuff up in that one. But... Gloomhaven's like, I spent so much money on this, even though it was severely <laughs> discounted. And I, I just want to keep it nice. I'm not going to rip up this encounter. Yeah, that that sentiment totally resonates with me. So I hear <laughs> sure. you. All right. Um, I'm going to say this is essentially D&D &D without the prep work. That is a, a big plus. Now, sure, it's 
it doesn't have the same true experience as D&D. It's not like... I mean, all, all the interactions happen basically in combat, and then there's some external story elements that you can work within. So obviously D&D is much, much more open world and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But if you're, if you're looking for an RPG experience and nobody wants to be a DM, you, you just pull out Gloomhaven. It's, it's a little bit of work to run. Obviously, someone has to know all the rules for everything. But you don't have to, like, beforehand figure out a story of what's going on and flesh out all these characters and do all this balancing and abilities. Like, the game's just already there. It's, it's, that's what it's for. And probably what this largely caters to. This might be the bridge, Nate, for the exclusive RPGers to join the hobby board gaming community. I think it's one of a few. I think there's a few other out there that deliver similar experiences. But what I think is so special about this one is that it's a bridge to a Euro-style game because there's no dice chucking or anything like that in this. The combat is all card-based, and the everything else in the game is mostly playing cards and doing things, you know? Mm. So it's a very Euro-y style kind of dungeon crawler, which is pretty unique. Yeah, I guess your, your battle decks is essentially a d20 but it's an upgradable d20 yeah i love that it's customizable i love that so much are you saying that's something you like about the game it is but you know i didn't have it written down but i will say i do like that (laughs) okay um but i'll kind of play off your point a little bit what one another thing i love a lot about this is the storytelling and the world building are so good the world in this is so intricately created i mean it's not on a level of lord of the rings you know it's not there but there's a lot of effort put into this and there's a lot of text. There's a lot of story, which is really well done. And then the art is just incredible. I mean, the art is upper tier. It is, it is up there, you know, like this is one of the few games that games should ascribe to, I think. Um, And it really helps the world feel a lot more real and it helps you get engrossed into your character more and just into the plot more into the storyline and everything that's going on. So it works works super well as far as like really engrossing you in the game yeah i'll kind of hop off of that i basically have the same point but it's, it was like one of the first things i wrote down for like was the depth of the game i love the story that you get to play through i love how you're not just stuck with your basic abilities but you continue to level up and you can unlock new things that you can not not just your little uh like random d20 battle deck but your character ability cards that you're using to do yeah. things how each of them has a top and bottom ability, so you have to decide which one you want to use in connection with a different card, and then you play your second card and use the opposite of whatever you did. But then as you level up, you have access to, it's like always two new options that you can add to your deck and replace a weaker card. That's pretty dope. Besides that, there's the items you can buy, and you only start off with access to like 14 items, but as you was it, as Gloomhaven's prosperity increases, mm-hmm. I think, there's like more items that become available. I think there's like random items that become available as you do different like side quests or just different 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 ways they arise besides just leveling up Gloomhaven. And then all the random encounters. There's like the city encounters and the road encounters. That yeah. that really helps, I think, add a little bit more story to the main story. Even though it's all randomized, it's it makes it feel a little bit more like a real RPG where you're not just in the middle of your main quest. You're like, oh, here's this random thing you have to deal with. You have to make a decision, and then you have to deal with the consequences. And it it's those those cards are fun too because it's kind of a it's like an event card basically, but you get to make a decision always. And 
Mm-hmm. Even sometimes characters that are no longer in the game will revisit. I think always like characters that go out of the game will then revisit, be revisited in the game through one of those cards. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's a really cool, it's a fun little little add-on to the game. I like it a lot. I tell you though, the very first encounter we did, it was a road encounter uh, before starting the first scenario of the official, not Jaws of the Lion, but Gloomhaven. And the choice we made, it ended up, uh, we each lost three health to start the, <laughs> this game. And that's literally, literally the worst time to get that card because it's not proportional to your character's level. It's just flat. You lose three health at the start of this mission. Yeah. And yeah. you start off with not very much health at all, like for your first level. So that kind of sucked. But That really sucks. You know, Big time. <laughs> that's randomness for you. So another thing is the items. Like, I think the item deck is incredible. First of all, it's huge. But then also the actual system works really well you know there's a lot of different types of items you know head armor or like like helmets i guess you would say mm, but then also like point, armor yeah. and footwear and one-handed weapon and two-handed weapons and there's a whole system for what amount of stuff that you're allowed to have and then the other kind of extra items and the system is a little bit complex but once you figure it out it's really thematic and really really well done you know it's not like skyrim where you can just run around with like 30 cheese wheels and 17 swords and all this you know it's like it's like no it's it's very strict about what kind of things you're allowed to have and how much and so i think it works really well i mean in skyrim's defense there is a weight a weight system so you know you can't <laughs> but, carry infinite cheese wheels but practically it doesn't translate at all <laughs> okay yeah sure yeah um Kind of everything we've discussed between the two of us has probably already been said. I'll, I'll finalize mine with the aesthetic and art-ish. Um, the, the ish is for the art. I do agree that the art is very unique. I'm sort of neutral on it. What I like most about it is it really sets a mood so that Gloomhaven has a very uh, novel feel to it. You see the art and you're immediately like, yeah, that's Gloomhaven. Even Jaws the Line, like it, it's, it's all the same aesthetic to it. And side note, there's like a a spinoff inspired game uh, called Rove that is in the works where they it's it's not the makers of Gloomhaven that are working on it, um, but though it is inspired by Gloomhaven and they have the same artist who worked on Gloomhaven that's going to be working on it. So that'll be interesting to see. I don't know if there's going to be some copyright problems there, mm-hmm. but, you know, I, I just remember seeing like the concept art for the cover of the box and it looks it's the same exact art style. All that to say for me it's a little bit funky it's all, like when you look closely at the characters there's almost like a lack of definition in some ways like everybody has glowing eyes a lot of people just have like weird jagged lines like for their mouths as like teeth so it's it's almost <laughs> like this it's this gritty atmosphere it kind of portrays so i guess it works for gloomhaven but sure. i don't know if i'd really choose that art style and really any other okay. i um, definitely thing. understand that sure but I do like the overall aesthetic, not just the art, but the the graphic design that went into the game is is top notch. Even just your ability cards, how depending on which character you're playing as, all of your ability cards are like a different background color. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not just like a solid matte color. It kind of has this glow effect to it, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. The, the, the kind of the parts of the card kind of have this almost neon-y kind of glowing yeah. effect to them yeah it's cool yeah not yeah not in like a oh a modern crappy no, city neon no. wave in like a magical a cool way neon. yeah yeah um yeah 
lastly for me is 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 that also it's the it's the multi-use cards that system i love basically you have a hand of cards well it, it starts out as like a pre-game deck builder you pick which cards you're going to take with you into the scenario because mm-hmm. you can't you can only have a certain amount of each level whatever so you pick which cards you're going to take and then you every round you play two cards from your hand and they both have a top build a top ability and a bottom ability and you don't have to choose right away which top and which bottom you're going to do you just pick the two cards and then when it comes around to being your turn you can decide which top and which bottom to do i love mm-hmm. that i love the flexibility you can give yourself while still making plans about what you want to do but not knowing what the other people are going to do or what the enemies are going to do absolutely love that system and the initiative thing is also worked yeah, into that too which that. is awesome yeah Okay, uh, let's get on to negatives then. Cody, you want to start? Let's do it. Yes. First thing I'll say is that it just kind of comes with the game, but there mm-hmm. are so many things to remember when, like, when you're playing, especially with combat and like monster movement and when effects apply and how those effects apply. Then you've got this little um, element track that you have to like move up and down at specific points throughout every round. It's like as, as you get to know it, it's fine. It's just part of the game. But I find myself kind of constantly like, okay, wait, uh, okay, we're both spaced at this distance from this one monster. Okay, so he needs to choose the guy with the higher initiative. Oh, no, but he's doing a ranged attack. So, you know, it's just kind of like all these things where it might be a little bit easier if you actually had a DM just to be like, uh, this monster goes here. Done. I think I definitely agree with you. With I agree with that sentiment, but I don't want to scare people away because I want people to know that if this is a game you have, if you invest in this game and you buy this game, it's something you're going to want to play regularly anyways, because there's so much content available for you. So if you play this game once a week or even once every two weeks, after a little while, you'll start to really know the game well enough that things will just be automatic. You know, you won't have to like think about them. You won't have to visit the rule book as much, you know, which to be fair, it's obviously there's an enormous rule book that comes with this multiple of them, but yes big it's it definitely helps in a way to have someone who's kind of the kind of the gm right somebody that someone has to know the game inside and out and be able to kind of run it so that not everybody needs to know it completely you know yeah that's fair what you got again this just comes with the territory for a game like this but the setup is just atrocious i mean (laughs) i would say if you're going to get this game it's really beneficial to have a table set aside where you can just leave the setup until you're done with it because every time i played this we did not have that we probably played i don't know how many maybe 30 30 or more scenarios maybe 35 i don't know every single time it was set up and then take down and that is brutal i mean it, it this is like the worst game i've ever owned as far as that goes it's yeah. just there's so much there's so much yeah and you have to have a good system for packing things away and how you store everything like mm-hmm. we bought little tiny box, like kind of pencil boxes for all our personal stuff. And we bought like um, a tackle box basically for all to yeah. sort all the monsters and everything. Like you really got to get creative with it. <laughs> and it's so not just the standard neutral setup every time. It's every mission you play has a different set of monsters and items mm-hmm. and like uh, room things that you have to pull out and assemble. Yeah. yeah. It's a beast. Yes. Yeah, that I mean, that was the second thing I put up. Setup and takedown is painful. Um, I think you had the right idea because you mentioned before, like you kind of just have to leave this game up. And we even have a game room, so we have a way to leave it set up. But it was like the first the the first evening we played, we had some friends coming over the next day, so we had to take <laughs> it down. Yeah, yeah. So it's 
it's a little bit troublesome in that way. So another thing, kind of similar to that, but within the game, the maintenance isn't too bad other than the monster maintenance. So all the enemies. Wow, it's a little bit fiddly. Like they all have their own spot and they're all numbered and there's a section where you can put damage points on every single monster and then all the yep. monsters have movement and there's different movement rules and every single monster has its own movement kind of yeah it's just it's really fiddly it takes a few games to really figure out how to run it and even once you figure it out it's a bit annoying mm. so in general i just wish they could have streamlined the monster process because it's a little bit annoying i have to say Hey, what's your deal, dude? This was my first negative. And you're like, well, it's not that bad. It's fine. And now it's a negative for you? That was your first negative? No, it wasn't. Yeah. What'd you yeah, say? I was saying, well, I said there were so many things to remember. And specifically, I was talking about like monster movement. and. Well, for me, it's not like, about oh, remembering, though, because the remembering comes with, with playing the game. But even if you remember everything perfectly, there's still a bunch of like physical maintenance kind of stuff you have to do with the monsters every single round. You know, okay. that's what I'm specifically I, I guess... complaining about. That was that was inferred by my first point. So there you go. Well, how about you? Uh, what's the uh, not <laughs> what? deferred? What do you want? I'm trying to think what, what the opposite of inferred is. Like, be a little more explicit, Cody. Come on now. Exfer, right? Mm, no. Nah. What's your next <laughs> no. point? Um, I just have one other point. Um, flipping a blank, and this is actually representative of a lot of the randomness that you may encounter in the game. That comes comes with the territory again. So it's it's a bit understandable. But that little combat deck where sometimes you have negative effects, like you, you have a base amount of damage you're going to do on your attack, but then you have to flip over something from your little battle deck and you may get a negative modifier, or you may even just flip over a blank, which just negates your whole attack. And that sucks. If you, like, it's coming down to the line, down to the wire, and you really need to hit this final monster, nobody has any turns left, you play a really good card, you're going to knock him out of the park, you just shuffled your deck... And then you flip over a blank and you lose the whole thing. Yeah. I feel like that just kept happening to Kirsten and I, specifically in, in Jaws of the Lion. But I know the system is the same yeah. in Gloomhaven. What I, I love that you can upgrade your modifier deck and make it better and take mm -hmm. out bad cards, add in good cards. But I do agree that I don't like a mandatory negate yeah, card that completely exactly. undoes your action. I think if you have to mix one in because of a road card or something like that, every once in a while, if you have to mix one into your deck, I get it. But I think the one that's always there, every single scenario, you can't get rid of it. I really don't like that. Yeah. I mean, it's basically the nat one of the deck, but, but I still don't like it. it's even worse. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's an, another few ways the randomness kind of plays up. Because each of the monsters, they have, they don't have like ability cards they choose like you can. They just have a little deck for each type of monster where you flip it over and then that tells you what they're going to kind of do for the round. And in one scenario, we were playing... I flipped over a, uh, it was a retaliate card. It's like for the next six times you get hit by a melee attack, like you do damage back. And we were trying to be really efficient. And so I was dealing with this one monster. So Kirsten could like start moving forward to the next room. And this monster is like a melee monster. Like that, that's their thing. But they have like one or two ranged attacks in their deck. Mm -hmm. And so all I needed to happen was for them just to hit me once and I'd retaliate and take them out and we'd be good. We can move on. And it was like three turns in a row. They just kept flipping ranged attacks, which means they never get close enough to you to activate the retaliate ability. So it's just things like that where... Well, why didn't you just get co closer to them, Cody? 
I I don't remember. There there there, there was there was stuff going on, dude. But it's it's more just the point of there's okay, some ways yeah, that yeah. the randomness happens where thematically, like I should have dealt with this guy. Like this should be done, but you're yeah. just kind of confined a little bit by some of the nuances. That's fair. That's fair. It doesn't happen all the time. It's just it can be pretty frustrating when it does happen. Uh, lastly, for me, is I would have liked, I would have appreciated a little bit more, a little bit more variety in the different missions that you do. And I know you haven't played this a bunch, but the majority, I would say, of missions, the goal is just to kill all the enemies. And there are some other ones mixed in that do different things, but generally it's just like kill everybody. And that can kind of get a bit. Not old, but it's kind of just like a little bit more variety would have been nice, you know? And I'm guessing sure. this is something Frosthaven or the second edition did better than this one. But this one, it feels like at least 75% of the missions are just kill everybody, you know? And sure, that's most of the fun is using all of your attack cards and your special abilities and the creatures you summon and all this stuff. That's the core of it. But yeah, just a little thing. Hmm. So in, in, summation, in summation, I absolutely love this game i adore this game it's my number one game of all time still and i don't know when brass is going to dethrone it but i don't know if it's ever going to happen on my list <laughs> that's all i'm going to say there are all some right, little then. negative fiddly maintenance things but ultimately that's far outweighed by just the experience you get from this game it's incredible so when are you going to get Frosthaven? ah I mean, I feel like Anna and I could really have fun. Like, I think she would enjoy this game. I think we could have fun going through that. But that's way down the road. That's, that's not happening anytime soon. All right. Well, not board banter time, but board ranter time, board dude. Board ranter. Yeah. We've man. talked about doing this for a little bit, and we have a few different ideas for what we'll do for this little segment. But sometimes you just got to let off a little steam, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, there's, there's some frustrating aspects to the gaming hobby. And this, we're, we're just going to, every now and then, we'll do this segment and take this opportunity to just, just let off a little steam, you know. And I'm ready, man. So today what we're doing is we're actually doing a versus ranter. So Cody and I each picked a game that we do not like, maybe even hate. I don't know. I don't know what you picked, Cody. I don't know if you hate the game that you picked, <laughs> but we each picked a game that we are ready to rip on. And we tried to pick one that hasn't been mentioned too much because there are a few games that come up every once in a while on this podcast that we really tear into. So we tried to pick something that maybe hasn't been. And, I, and actually, I got to say for myself, I don't think the game I picked has ever been mentioned on this podcast. Not once. Really? Yeah. And actually, I'm going to say in, pre in preparation, I'm going to turn my volume down just a little bit because there might be some shouting. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> All um, right, dude. Yeah. You want me to go first? <laughs> Um, I think you should. I, I'll preface mine with, I've got some shouting too, and I right. think this is going to be really fun. This is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. All right. Probably won't be too long, but we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Okay, man. So the game I picked, I don't even remember the rank because the number was too long to memorize, but it was somewhere in the 20,000s, I believe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, this is an IP game, so let's just, let's just get into this. Uh, we got, we got The Princess Bride, A Battle of Wits. Actually, oh. do, you, do you know this game at all? Have you ever heard of this? Do you know anything about this? You know what? I think I remember looking up Princess Bride board games, and I feel like I saw this listed. I know nothing about it. Cody, the but fact it actually that you're... I, it already sounds kind of fun. Let me tell you that. The fact that you're alive and talking today is proof that you did not purchase this game. So I know you <laughs> okay. haven't played it. <laughs> all right, dude. You are, you are talking to a corpse right now, Cody, because I've played this game. I'm sorry to all hear right. that, dude. Well, I'll just I'll just explain it real quick then. Basically, this is centered around the 
um, the Battle of Wits in The Princess Bride. So, you know, the scene where uh, he's with Ficini and they're doing the cup thing with the whatever it is, Iocane powder or whatever, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to breeze over that because anybody who hasn't seen the movie needs to stop listening to this and just go watch the movie anyways. So everybody else knows what I'm talking about. So basically, that's the point of the game is there's there's um, a certain amount of cups, which are just represented by cards, but there's a certain amount of cups for however many players are in the game. And basically, you have a hand of cards, um, I believe seven cards or something like that, that are numbered one through seven. And like the odds are wine and the evens are poison. And basically, you are playing your cards upside down and you're either poisoning cards or you're putting wine in cards if you put them on top of the card. And if you put them underneath the card, you are basically betting on which card you're going to drink. So at the end of the game, whoever's bet the highest on each wine cup, on each glass, is going to have to drink that glass. And if the glass they have to drink has more poison in it, then they die and they lose. If the glass has more wine in it, then they then they don't lose, then they win. So basically, you're, the, the cards are kind of multi-use. You can either use them to put contents into the cup, whether it's wine or poison, or you can use them to bet on which card that you want to end up drinking. So you're kind of affecting the cards in two different ways, if that makes sense. Um, okay. But it's all secret. So you're always you're, you're playing cards upside down. And people know who's who because you pick characters in the game and they have a symbol on the back. So everyone knows who's betting on what or who's adding contents to what, but they don't know if it's poison or they don't know if it's wine or they don't know what number you're betting on the bottom, anything like that. Okay. So that's that's how I don't, know, I don't know, dude. This this doesn't sound super bad so far. You got betting, you've got multi-use cards. These are some good mechanics. Okay. All right. Well, I'm 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 glad you think that because I cannot wait to just rip those words out of your mouth and just put okay. them in the the food processor. All right. So first of all, let's start with how the game looks. Now, actually, the graphic design is not terrible. It doesn't look good, but it doesn't look bad. But it uses screen captures, which is just sad. I mean, it's just it's it's <laughs> yes. it's. I feel like using screen captures is the hallmark of we did not have a budget for this game. Um, and so we just took screen captures from the movie. So, yeah, I mean, it's sad. Another thing is you pick a character in this game. So and it has, you know, all the famous characters from the movie, whatever. Everyone picks a character and they have that symbol on the back and nothing else. There's no special abilities. There's nothing interesting. <laughs> it's just like, hey, I'm Inigo Montoya. And uh, that's that's it. That, that I don't do anything Inigo Montoya-ish. I'm just Inigo Montoya, you know. And so it's super lame. Like they had a chance to like put some special abilities in there, you know, do something interesting other than just like putting a face on a card and saying, hey, this is who you are. And you have a deck of numbered cards, you know? No, dude, what it, what it is, what this is, it's the most balanced asymmetry you've ever played. <laughs> oh, no, it isn't, Cody. Let me get to my next point. And this is the worst <laughs> okay. part of the game. Okay. So everyone has right. a deck of one to seven, but then there's the Sicilian deck. Okay. Now the Sicilian deck is a deck of cards numbered one through nine, and everybody's dealt one of these cards randomly. And the numbers one through seven are just that. They're just numbers. So you could get a one, you could get a seven. That's pretty fair, right? Because they're dealt randomly. But also, yeah. the eight and the nine have special abilities. And they're really powerful special abilities. And you might get dealt one of those instead of a one. And so if you could be dealt a super powerful special ability, or you could be dealt a useless one. It's unbelievable. And these cards are just randomly dealt at the beginning of the game. There's no like, oh, you're doing well or you're doing poorly so you can take a good card or a bad card. It's just like, here's your seven preset cards and here's a random card that might be incredible and give you a better chance literally of winning the game than somebody else who has dealt a, a bad card. It's, it's unbelievable that they would put this in the game and think that it was a good idea. I cannot believe it. I cannot even fathom it that they thought it was a good idea. 
blows my mind. I think maybe a publisher was involved in the creation of this game. I think they were like, <laughs> so man, this game, great. this game is so boring. You know what? It needs a little bit of spice. So let's make it yeah, completely and totally unfair. <laughs> it's terrible, man. It's so terrible. And the so, abilities are like furnace level, even worse than furnace level break the game abilities. It's terrible. Okay. All right. So are you telling me that this is a battle of wits, but it doesn't matter how good your wits are. You can just, you can just lose. You can just straight up lose because the cards are okay. like switch the contents of two cups. So if you've been like trying to like secretly like fake one way and then like actually stock up on a different card or something and somebody just plays this and just switches the contents of two cups and now you're betting on something totally different than what you were betting on. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. I hate it. But you know what's even like what's even worse? Not even worse. That's the worst part. You know what's stupid? Multiple people can win this game. And multiple people what? lose because whatever cup you drink from, if there's more wine than there is poison, then you win. And that could be multiple of the cups. It probably will be more than one. So multiple people are likely to win the game. It's like, ooh, we get to share the victory and other people get to share the loss. But there were no teams. It just happened that way. So stupid, man. <laughs> That's great. So stupid. So the game is boring. That's great. The game is random. There's no way to really like plan. Like everything you place is just kind of like randomly placing stuff because everyone else is placing cards and you know where they're placing cards but you have no idea what they're placing if it's poison if it's wine if it's a high card if it's a low card they're just placing cards and you're trying to guess what they're doing no there's no there's no basis for guessing what those people are doing they're just doing random crap and so you just like i guess i'll just play some cards and hopefully i drink something that doesn't get randomly switched by somebody else or whatever it's just boring it's random there's no skill it's just a guessing game and honestly guess who has way more skill and is way more interesting than this it's just a sad <laughs> excuse for a game i hate it hmm bad game bad do you did that feel good do you feel uh, better now <laughs> I felt good. <laughs> a little bit. Have you had the opportunity, the cathartic moment of like just burning a copy of this game? It's actually not. It wasn't my game. It was somebody else's. So that would have been a bad, that would have been a friendship well, breaking moment. Well, I, think. I don't know. It depends how good the friendship is. Like it might be worth it. Sibling. Well, it's, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right then. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. That sounds pretty bad. That sounds pretty bad. I don't know if it's as bad as my game, though. Go for it, man. I'm you, excited. Okay. I, I, I even wrote out, I wrote out an intro for you. Here we go. Okay. <clears throat> Picture this. It's a beautiful, sunny summer day. All is well in the world. Birds sing in the trees, bringing cheer to all. Crickets chirp in the bushes, providing comedic atmosphere for the moment right after a joke falls flat. And the calm water of a pond is gently disturbed by the arrival of a soft breeze. Nearby, a small but spunky hamster looks intently at the pond. His eyes narrow as he, is, as he identifies his prize, a flower growing atop one of the many lily pads that adorn the water's surface. He steals himself and crouches down, ready to begin his work. The hamster springs forward, running to the pond's edge, throws himself atop the lily pad to claim his flower, and is promptly swallowed whole by a hippo. Life isn't fair, and it doesn't make any sense. Welcome to Hamsters versus Hippos. <laughs> I love it. I knew where I was going when you mentioned the hamster looking into the pond. Yeah. I remembered this game. We were gifted this game. We were gifted this game. Everything I just described is exactly what happens. You, you have, it's like a 4x4 four four or 5x5 five five grid of tiles, of lily pad tiles. And you're just supposed to approach the game. You come, you, you start on one of the outside tiles. You, you jump your little hamster on. And then you're supposed to flip over the tiles. 
But some of these tiles, they're either going to have like additional flowers on them when you flip them over that you can acquire. They might just be like empty. They might just like fall and you just like fall in the water and then, I don't know, like you lose your flowers for the round or something like that. I don't remember. But then a few of them have hippos on them. And if you land on a hippo, the, the round just ends and you lose <laughs> all flowers you've accumulated. Including the but ones the that weren't is, eaten by hippos. Exactly. The thing is, the thing is, it's completely random. You can land on a hippo your very first move. It's supposed to be a push your luck game, but you're pushing your luck just by playing the game. Like just to start it. Like you could, you, you, you jump onto the side and you flip over a hippo. And it's like, well, the round's done. Nobody got any flowers. And that could happen four times in a row. And then the game's over? And then the, the, the so game's over. So everyone could lose. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's complete luck. So I, I, I had fun preparing for this. Let, let, me, let me go through a few things for you. This is rank 18,473 on the Geek. You know what? It's better Not than Princess good. Bride Battle for Wits. I'll tell you that much. Well, sure. Well, <laughs> I mean, at that point, it's kind of a debatable it's number, true. right? The complexity. Do you want to guess the, the complexity rating, the voted complexity rating for this game? Uh, 1.17. 1.0. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> it goes lower than that, actually. It doesn't. That is the lowest you could possibly have. People voted on this, and this is a 1. This is a 1.0. <laughs> I've, got, I've got some quotes for you for some people who have uh, oh, yeah. reviewed, reviewed this game. All right. <clears throat> Straight from BGG. And I quote, This is a strange game. Who is it for? I think kids, but there's a darkness to it that feels like it might be aimed at adults. Everything also just feels a little off. Wafer-thin flower tokens that fall between your fingers. Cartoon art that's neither cute nor edgy. A box that's inexplicably exactly double size. Hmm. End quote. <laughs> <laughs> the next one. Pure luck. Pure frustration if you die in your first tile. Next quote. A fine kids game, but pretty meh. And get this, even the people who speak well of it can't rate it well. L listen to this one. A light push-your-luck game with a cute theme. Fun for all ages. This is a good one. Six. <laughs> <laughs> it's not great, Cody. <laughs> it's not great. So a couple people, there are four tens. This, this has Whoa. received four tens. The first ten had no comment, but it was given by a profile called Ford Guy one and Let's be honest. Someone who likes Fords... They don't have taste in anything, right? <laughs> so we can't trust that. The next 10, um, the, it came with a quote this time. It said, great theme, great designer. Side note, it showed as a pre-order for them. They haven't even played the game and they gave it a 10. <laughs> People like that ruin the world. I know. The other two 10s, uh, given by two profiles that when I clicked and I explored those profiles, the majority of the reviews they have given are 10s. Mm. Like... Who does that? That that just mean that shows you don't have taste in games. You're just like, oh, this is a pretty good game. I'll give it a ten. Those a those 10. are the those are the uh, glasses half full people in the world. Yeah, way, way too optimistic. So so you can't you can't trust it. Now, um, kudos for consistency. Um, while I was preparing for this, Nate, I noticed that there weren't any ones. No no ones given to the game, but there were two twos. So I clicked on the twos to see who the profiles were that assigned them. And saw my own profile. <laughs> Confirmed. <laughs> Three people have this game listed for trade on BGG. This is a clincher, Nate. Three people 
are, are, are advertising that they want to trade this game. I click on the list. One of those three people is the designer of the game. <laughs> Even the designer is like, yeah, I don't want this. This is trash. Anybody else want this? I'll trade you for it. That's I know it's not worth selling, so I'll trade. That's amazing. That's hamsters versus hippos. Oh, I love it. That's great. That's all I got. Well, I, think, I have nothing more I think to say. I have a Princess Bride rated at like three. So okay. I guess, and it does sound marginally better than yours, but yeah, yours is like on the level of, it, it's worse, it's worse than, than Candyland or Snakes and Ladders, Shoots, whatever. Yeah. Shoots and Ladders, whatever. Shoots and Snakes and Ladders. That. Yeah. Stupid. Stupid. <sighs> I feel a little bit better. And that's that. That's that. That's our board ranter. I don't think all that's, of our ranters will necessarily be verses. We'll have other things to rant about. But that was a fun one. I liked that. that was, and it's, it's that kind of good. a juxtaposition because we've done a couple versus board banters now. So it's a nice flip side to that. Y- yeah. And we each get to talk about a game that we probably haven't really ever talked about before. Yeah. Which is always good on this podcast. Yeah. And remember to do that thing you're not supposed to forget to do. Well, hello and welcome to the outro. I thought I'd introduce it this time. Intr- oh, am I introducing an outro, Cody? Is that what that Oh, happening? dude. It's an intro. Out- it's it's the, out- the outro intro. It's the outro intro. And I just want to remind people to go out there and like this video if you're watching a video or subscribe or comment or follow us on Spotify or rate us on Spotify or wherever you're listening to it. Interact with us. Send us an email at tabletopshop23 at gmail.com. We appreciate you. Yeah. Well, Nate kept saying or. No, none of these options are exclusive of the other. We They're don't all do and. all of these things. I meant to yeah. say and. Great. My bad. Yeah. Well, uh, yep. Cool. Peace out. <laughs>